When Hurricane Maria hit the island of Puerto Rico in 2017, the entire world watched in horror as people went without electricity, without water, and wondered if the island would ever recover. But as usual, the media just moved on to the next story, and we really haven't heard much about what's happening there since that time. If you've been wondering, is Puerto Rico still a good place to visit or even to potentially move to one day? My guests, Troy Davis and Tanae Davis-Porter, will tell you all about it in this next installment of the Black Expat series here on the Learn Spanish Con Salsa podcast. So if you've been thinking about visiting the beautiful island of Puerto Rico, this episode is for you. Así que vamos a empezar. Let's get started. Bienvenidos. Welcome to the Learn Spanish con Salsa podcast, the show for Spanish learners that love music, travel, and culture. Close your grammar textbooks, shut down the language apps, and open your ears to how Spanish is spoken in the real world. Let us show you how to go from beginner to bilingual. Here is your host, certified language coach, Tamara Marie. Hola y bienvenidos al episodio 124. Welcome to episode 124 of the Learn Spanish Con Salsa podcast. This episode is the next installment of our Black Expat series with a focus on Puerto Rico. I sit down with Tene Davis-Porter and her husband Troy Porter, and they talk about how the couple successfully managed to move to Puerto Rico to establish a life there. They talk about everything from the cost of living to where to get the best food to the best neighborhoods that you can live in without having to spend a whole lot of money. I know that you will enjoy our conversation because Puerto Rico is also one of my favorite places. So I get to talk a little bit about my experience visiting the island after Hurricane Maria as well. But before we get started, I have to take a moment to give a special shout out to Annie, Denai, and Josh. They are members of the Spanish Con Salsa Fluency Club, and I had to take a moment to say, Feliz cumpleaños! Happy birthday! This is your birthday month, so I hope you are celebrating for the entire month of May. And I want to give a shout out to one of our listeners who left us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. This review is from Nutty ML, and they say, Me encanta learn Spanish con salsa. I found Learn Spanish Con Salsa at the right time. It combined my love of Spanish music, dancing, and my big desire to learn the Spanish language. Tamara includes relevant and engaging topics with various speakers. I love how each topic provides a spotlight into the Spanish culture and various techniques to keep the learning embers burning. Gracias, muchísimas gracias, Nari ML, for your review. And don't forget, you can also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts by clicking on the link in our show notes for this episode, LearnSpanishConSalsa.com slash 124. And make sure you listen until the end of this episode, and I'll tell you more about how you can get your hands on your very own copy of our Puerto Rican Spanish book, which is our bilingual guide to Spanish as it's spoken on the island. All right, with that, let's get to my conversation with Troy and Tanae. Hola, Troy y Tane. Welcome to the Learn Spanish Con Salsa podcast. Hola! Hola, thanks for having us. So I'm super excited to have you guys on the show today because we get to talk about one of 
my favorite places on the planet, which is the island of Puerto Rico. <laughs> so uh, we're going to delve into that because I've been doing the series on Black expats just for people who want to know about the process of moving abroad. If you've thought about it before, if you're not sure if it's right for you, bringing you conversations with people who actually have already taken that leap and begun to do some of that traveling and, and moving overseas. So Troy and Tanae are going to share some of that with us today. Uh, and first, could you all just start out just introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about you, where you're from, and sort of what made you think about, you know, starting your journey traveling outside of the U.S.? Well, thanks for having us so much. First of all, we're, we're, we're actually so flattered. Um, you know, me and Troy, we actually met in Greece. We were both uh, in the military, we're military veterans. And, you know, once I was stationed overseas, I loved to travel. And little by little, we would just travel and travel, but mostly with the military. So it's a little bit different. Once we were able, you know, once we can afford, <laughs> you know, to start really traveling, we really just wanted to go all over the place. And we just started going from place to place. And there was a moment when I was asking my job at the time for like time off and they were kind of giving me a hard time. And I'm like, man, but I just want to travel more. And I just didn't like being told no, that I couldn't go somewhere um, because the world is so beautiful. And I just told Troy, like, well, what if we just, what if we just decide to just go, go for it? Like, you know, you know, that's always been my dream. And his dream was just really to retire, but I'm gonna let you just tell, you know, him tell you more about his dream. And we just decided to just go for it. Like you get one life, you know, you get one life. So I'm like, let's just go for it. And uh, yeah, I'm uh, my background from Texas. Like she said, we're uh, retired veterans. And when I left home at 18 and I got to travel the world with the military, I think that's how it got in traveling for me. Because it was like at 18 years old, leaving home, going to Washington State and seeing a whole new world, people, the environment, everything. And, and I did that for 20 years in the military. And I just kind of, it's just a habit now, you know, to maybe like, I wake up, check my email, and she didn't book the trip already. And I'm like, okay, we're going to Columbia. Right. So, <laughs> and that's just how it's been since we've been together, you know. And uh, we wanted to get away from the northern atmosphere to get away from cold weather. And originally, Tanae wanted to go to Panama. and Because <laughs> yeah. uh, if she'd have got her way, we would be living in Panama right now. But I was like, you know... Why not go to Puerto Rico? We usually go there two, three times a year anyway. We both love it. We know a lot about it. And uh, we came to visit and we've been here ever since. <laughs> and you know, I used to live in Puerto Rico. I was stationed here with the military. I lived here for almost three years. Fell in love with it here. But I just wanted to kind of get a little more out of my comfort zone, you know, because, you know, Puerto Rico is a little bit Americanized, obviously, it's American territory. But so I really just wanted to take myself outside the box a little bit more. And I thought Panama would be great for that. And, but then when COVID happened, you know, we couldn't get the visa that we were looking for. And we actually already had a trip, another trip booked to Puerto Rico, because we come to Puerto Rico all the time, or now we're here, but we used to come here all the time. And so we're down here. And then you're like, man, you know what? Let's just stay. <laughs> Let's just stay. <laughs> and so it, it really just kind of happened like that. Like I had already sold everything, sold my house. You know, we sold everything. And 
plans that we were just going to pick up and move to Panama or somewhere. You know, I mean, we kind of sold everything before we really had a plan. We were kind of, it was just happening. You know, I didn't want it to be so structured. I'm not an Excel spreadsheet type of person. I'm more of a just kind of wing it kind of person. And so, you know, I, I was laughing like, you know, well, hey, what are we going to do with this? Like, I still have a car in Texas that I'm like, what am I going to, you know, but we just kind of just let it happen. And I mean, I'm, I'm sure for some people that planning is great. I wouldn't tell people to not plan. But what I'm saying is I just I don't, I don't want to stress myself out. Um, that's the whole purpose of, you know, leaving, you know, the, the typical workforce and doing something like this. So I just I like to be a little bit more laid back with that kind of stuff. And, and Puerto Rico is amazing. You know, just it's amazing here. So. Wow, that's super interesting. I love your story. So how you guys met in the military, I'm wondering just just kind of as, as a starting point, uh, because both of you had that experience of being in the military and having to sort of pick up and move um, and not necessarily, you know, having a choice of where you were going to move to all the time. Right. So do you think that did that experience, do you think, really prepare you to feel more comfortable with the idea of moving abroad, especially since today you were stationed in Puerto Rico for a little bit? Do you feel like if you weren't in the military, do you think you'd, you would be as ready to make a, a move like this? You know, I think so. So I, I grew up in New York City. I lived in Washington Heights, which is predominantly Dominican neighborhood. Oh, you know? so yeah, you lived in Dominican Republic. <laughs> yeah, and I lived in Spanish. So I, felt, I felt real comfortable with, I, I feel real comfortable with what we call foreigners. You know, I feel real comfortable with people from all over. You know, I just love learning different you know, stories, learning different cultures. I, I love that. Eating different food. Oh my God, the food in Puerto Rico is amazing. So I already love that. But I do think seeing more things in the military, like I also lived in Greece, like where I met Troy and I lived in, you know, in the Middle East for some time. And I just wanted more. I wanted to see more of the world. Like I feel like it, it, it's become like almost like an addiction. Like where can I go? What new foods can I try? And just... I love it. Like, I feel like this is what God put me on this earth for, you know, it's just to be able to help other people too. Like, even if it's something like having a conversation like this, someone texted me this morning, they got their passport. It's a girl. I met her here in Puerto Rico, didn't know her. Uh, I took her around and showed her out and she didn't have a passport. She got her passport and she texted me this morning. Like you, uh, you know, you don't realize how you inspired me to do something like that. And like, I almost started to cry. I, I just feel if we can, he's, my husband's laughing at me. I get all emotional. If I could help somebody with something just like that, like getting a passport, you know, it might seem like such a little thing, but it's such a big thing because it's, you know, such a big world. So to bring it back to your question, I was blessed with being able to travel in the military and being able to, to being given that opportunity. But it, I, I think it helped, but I don't think, I think my, my love for it started way, way, way back. I would say being in the military actually helped with the relocation because sometimes in the military, you have to pick up and leave and within 30 days or two weeks without even knowing where you're going. So having to be able to adapt to things quickly helped a lot. You know, and I think we um, we've been doing this so much together since we've been we've been together almost 17 years. And like I said, to nail She'll book a trip, and next thing you know, I'm leaving in two days to go somewhere. <laughs> yes. you know? and, I'm trying to give you more than two You know, days. we go do crazy stuff. She's had me swim with sharks and stuff like that. And I think we kind of passed that on to our kids because uh, all of our kids 
uh, they didn't picked up and moved from Florida to California. And the youngest one, he just picked up and moved and drove from Maryland to California. So we passed that on. So being in the military, yes, it makes it easier. But I think that's what a, a lot of young people are scared to do is leave home and be uncomfortable, you know, so. And see, I think it's more people, you know, older people that are scared. I think, you know, the younger generation is ready to go. You know, I think, you know, a lot of people a little bit older just kind of scared. You know, I my aunt had never left never left, you know, um, the States or anything. And, and to be able, we, she, she actually went to Greece with us a few years ago. And to be able to take her to do that, I remember she was drinking coffee. She was sitting outside. It was beautiful. And she was just by herself, right? And I was coming around the corner and she just was so happy, you know, in our culture. But when I was growing up in our culture, I never saw black people traveling. When I was opening up travel magazines and stuff, all I would see was white people, you know, that, that would just be it. And that was the reality. And so now when I'm seeing our people out there, I don't care where they're going. I'm just happy for them. You know, I don't even talk down Miami or people like, oh, don't go to Miami or Vegas. I go wherever, just go somewhere, you know, just go do something. So. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. With, first, there's a lot in what you all said. So we're going to unpack this sort of one by one. I think the first thing that really stands out to me is just having that uh, ability to make those types of shifts, right? So having that experience in the military sounds like it was helpful, but it sounds like, Tanae, your spirit was more of like you, you were already ready and you were open. And as you mentioned, sort of growing up, you know, a lot of people, especially for me growing up, I grew up on the East Coast of the U.S., I knew people who didn't even leave their neighborhood, let alone, you know, leave the country or leave the city or, or think about going abroad. So I do think culturally it has been a challenge, which is one of the reasons why I really wanted to do this series is because I think there is a lot of fear. And I think a lot of that fear comes from not knowing, right? Not knowing what to expect, not knowing if you'll be accepted when you go somewhere, not knowing how it will be, especially, you know, you mentioned Greece, you, you mentioned the Middle East. These are places where people don't necessarily speak English as readily as they might in some other places. So there, there is a lot of fear that's built up and hopefully some of the information we can give folks today will help them get over some of that mystery about, you know, traveling and, and even moving abroad. So I want to talk a little bit about Puerto Rico because you mentioned today that you were stationed there for a few years. Where were you stationed and where do you guys live now? So when I was stationed here, I was stationed on a base called Roosevelt Roads. Uh, we used to call it Roosevelt Roads. And it was down in Sabre. I actually just got a chance to go back on that base because I took the ferry to Calabria and it's out of that base, which is, you know, that base is closed. It's been closed for years now. And it just looks completely different. But so now we live now. Now we live in um, the East La Verde area, but we're actually getting a house built in the Peñones area of Louisa, which I would say it's so hard to find property or land over there because no one sells. But I searched for a while because I really wanted something in that area. I'm not sure how familiar you are with, you know, the area, but that's the area that I would say is predominantly, I guess, like quote unquote black because the slave ships pulled into Louisa. And so a lot of the culture there is still a lot of huge African culture there. So I wanted some property there and it took a long time to get some, but I got a small, small itsy bitsy piece. And on that piece, we are going to build what we're considering one of our forever homes. And I, and I love it because, you know, we already said we love Puerto Rico, but I love 
I love black too. You know, I just, I just love it. And so to be able to combine the two cultures to me is just phenomenal. Yeah, so I'm very familiar with that area. So Isla Verde is somewhere that if I'm on a short trip that I'll stay because Isla Verde is really close to the airport in San Juan. So you're not very far from the city in that area. And Luisa, talk a little bit about, you mentioned the influence of like African uh, culture there and how that area in particular in Piñones does have a lot more of a presence of African descendants. I know what a lot of people think about Puerto Rico. They think like J-Lo, Mark Anthony. I mean, this is Spanish going salsa, so I always talk about salsa music. But I think people have this stereotypical view of what a Puerto Rican looks like. And it's usually not someone who is Afro-Latino, Afro-Latina. So in your experience sort of moving there, living in an area which I would consider Isla Verde more of like a touristic area versus like going to Piñones, Luisa, where there are more Puerto Ricans, so, so to speak, living there. What has your experience been like just sort of maybe blending in, so to speak? Uh, have you have you noticed that you sort of stand out as being foreigners uh, or people really welcoming of you when you travel throughout the island? Well, I'll say when we bought the uh, property in Luisa, it was almost like, for me, being home in Texas and Louisiana area, because in that area, everyone's, they look like me. You know, besides, uh, if I, I see them uh, standing on their porches or in their backyard cutting grass or trees or whatever, they all look like me until we get up close and we start to have a dialect, and then they speak Spanish, and, and I don't. So um, that was one of the, I, I would say, one of the best things I liked about that area. And also being in Puerto Rico, you know, a lot of the people here look like uh, me being with the melanin. And um, it's 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 um, hard one because the people here are wonderful. And it's just like anywhere else. As long as you respect them, they're going to respect you and, and welcome you into their culture. And you just got to accept that and run with it. And uh I want to say I've never had any problems with anyone in Puerto Rico as long as I've been coming here in any part of the island. But Luisa was one of those places that everyone actually, you know, when you feel comfortable, everyone looks like you. You know, it kind of makes you feel comfortable. And the food is amazing. I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> no, I, I definitely agree with everything that Troy said. You know, I, I, the thing is, you know, I don't try to fit in. We don't try to fit in. Well, you know, it's so funny because our last name is Porter. So we call ourselves the Puerto Ricans, you know, <laughs> we have little Instagram and everything. And, you know, it started off as like, you know, a joke, but we actually meet a lot of people and then, you know, they're all Puerto Ricans. But um, we, we just are who we are and we respect, we respect you know, the culture. And I think a lot of times, you know, I, I have friends that sometimes they'll travel and they're not trying to speak Spanish or visit the areas outside of the tourist areas. And I'm like, look, there's a, that's not really Puerto Rico. You know, Isla Verde to me, even though we live here, it's a great hub. And, we, you know, we got some business and stuff that we do in the area. So it's a great hub. But ultimately, I don't feel like this is the identity of Puerto Rico here. You know, you, you, you got a lot of expats and just you know, tourists and, and stuff. And that's what I feel like it's a tourist area, like you said, but an area like Peñones or somewhere like Luis or somewhere else on the island that's not as touristy, I feel like you can really, really, really get that, you know, that Puerto Rican vibe and, 
yeah, I feel like people here are nice. You know, sometimes, um, you know, they want to touch my hair or, you know, if I have braids in or something like that. And it's fine. But now I see a lot of the girls here, you know, that are locals wearing braids. And, and you know, it, their culture is so close to ours. And, and obviously, Puerto Rico's very, very, very Americanized. So just bringing it back to, you know, what Troy said, I, I, I feel so comfortable and so loved here. And I try to just treat everybody with so much respect. I try to speak Spanish everywhere I go and it's terrible, but I think they appreciate that. You know, I think they appreciate that you're trying, you're being respectful. And where we bought the property, there was, you know, no Americans from the United States at the time. And I remember one of the owners basically saying like they didn't want to feel like people were coming down there to basically gentrify or appropriate, you know, their land. And they didn't feel like that with us. And I was glad they didn't. I'm like, you know, even if my skin was light, I still wouldn't, that wouldn't be my nature. But I, they just welcomed us basically with open arms. And you know how, how Loisa and Pinon is, as you said, you've been to Puerto Rico and you know, they got the music and the bomba and it oh, is yeah. very, I love it. <laughs> it's just a real tight knit um, community. And I just can't wait to be more immersed in that area other than where we are right now in Isla Verde. Yeah, and another thing about Piñones, for, for people who may have heard, you know, a few years ago, obviously I don't say may have heard, I, I'm sure people know by now about Hurricane Maria and the impact that it had on the island, but actually the area of Piñones was not uh, affected as badly as other parts of the island. So if you're worried about sort of recovery, and maybe you guys can speak to this as well, you know, I know I visited the island a few times after the hurricane, and it seemed like things were starting to get back to normal. So I wonder sort of how uh, how things are there now, and if you've still seen some of those effects from, from the hurricane. Well, there is still some effects, uh, but I would say mostly about good 85% of the Pinones Luisa area has recovered from Maria now because some of the people that we spoke to, uh, restaurant owners, uh, business owners over there, uh, a lot of them have just gotten their money back from Maria from insurance, which is, uh, if you can believe that or not. So, but Louisa is totally different. I mean, if you go through the main street, when you get there, um, the nightlife or the day life of Puerto Rico is vibrant from the beginning of the entrance all the way through now versus before the side where the beach was, there was a lot of damage on that side and it would just be a business here and there. But now, like I said, it's about 85%. And on the, on the weekend, if you want to go to Luisa, if you have to be there at a certain time, say three o'clock, you're going to leave at two o'clock. If I'm in Luisa, I mean in East La Verde, to get there by three o'clock, you're going to have to leave about an hour before because the traffic going into Louisa now since all the businesses are booming is is that bad. So um, that is let you know that uh, the businesses is growing, the neighborhoods and everything is very vibrant now uh, than what it was, I would say, five years ago. If I could, you know, say something more about like moving to a foreign place, I would definitely say try to get outside you know your bubble right because the whole purpose i think of moving is to get out you're getting outside of your bubble right but then you know i feel like to move into um, a foreign location and then just only stay basically eating the food that was where you came from or hanging with the people that were where you came from or doing those kind of things basically you're just you're just still there you know so i would say try to 
get outside, you know, that kind of bubble. And so we do typical, you know, USA type things here too, but we really, really, really try to, you know, hang with the locals and learn and, and stuff like that. And even talking about Louisa, when we were talking about Hurricane Maria, I, I learned that because many of the descendants that live in Louisa were slaves, right? That they didn't ha- they didn't own their land, even though their land had been in the family for generations passed down, and most of them still. It's, it's still family land. They never had titles or deeds or anything. So many, many people couldn't get any funds from FEMA or anything after Hurricane Maria. And because of that, Puerto Rico actually put into place some new laws. So I think when you just go to a place, just try to learn, you know, learn about them. Learn, you know, the same way we want people that, you know, come to the United States. We want them to learn, you know, our culture. And so I, I think that's a big thing. And I think we really try to do that. And we really, really, really try to give back. Even during covid we came to Puerto Rico right after Maria. There was no electricity and we was out here and we wanted to give back. So we still do that. When we get a chance to eat out, we do. <laughs> we try to go to local places and all of that stuff. And, you know, I I really think if you're going to take that jump, that leap and move overseas somewhere, just go for it. Go all in, though. Don't go half in. I think you got to go all in. Well, speaking about going all in, I am curious about... Uh, language there and your experience with that. So Troy, you mentioned that you don't uh, speak Spanish. And today I know you, we talked a little bit earlier and you said that, you know, you're learning uh, the language and you try to speak Spanish as much as you can. But do you think that someone could move to Puerto Rico without any Spanish and really be able to get along well with the locals? What's your opinion and what's your experience been like with the little bit of Spanish that you have and sort of being able to really communicate with people uh, on the island? Because I know that's a huge concern. It, it was harder well, it harder for me now because when I was here and I was kind of picking up on a lot of the language uh, phrases here and there and then I left for a month and coming back and it was like not being able to speak the language on a regular basis because I was back in Texas just talking English like uh, I had never left uh, Puerto Rico and I came back and I, I it was harder. For me again, I'm like, man, I gotta start all over again, you know, learning just the basics that I had already learned. So, uh, but experiences as far as besides some of the Puerto Rican uh, that I run into, and they they look at me and they think I'm Dominican and already that I speak <laughs> Spanish, and they'll just start a conversation, and I'll be sitting there like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. No, I fly Espanol. And uh, then they'll stop and they'll just look at me, you know, and then he's like, oh, you're, you're not Dominican? I'm like, nah, I'm Texas. <laughs> you know? But, you know, and we laugh about that and then they'll start talking to me in Spanish and then, uh, I mean, in English. And uh, we'll have a good conversation, you know? So, uh, like I said before, just like anywhere else, how we were raised, if you respect people, they'll give you that respect in return and accept you in open arms. And see, I can say, even though I try to speak Spanish and my Spanish is so choppy, I I know a lot of words, but that sentence structure is hard. So I actually, I have these posters all over my, (laughs) all over where I'm living with Spanish words and phrases and everything taped up with notes and, you know, and 
I'm, I guess some people are good at language and I'm just not, but I still try. But I don't think you need to learn any Spanish to come to Puerto Rico. You could literally have zero, zero, zero. Not, you might not know one word and you can come down here and you will be fine. A lot of people speak English. There's always Google Translate, so many other things. If someone doesn't know, they'll they'll literally ask someone else. You know, like Troy tried to order pizza the other day. The lady didn't speak English and she hung up on him, you know. <laughs> and he didn't speak Spanish. She didn't even want to deal with it. And it was fine. It's okay. We understand that. So, you, But you can make it here with only speaking English. You will be fine. Well, I do want to say I have to challenge you today. So don't say that you're bad at languages. So I am a language coach, so I can't let you get, get past without one. No one's bad at languages. It just takes uh, the effort and consistency. And I love that you're saying you have posters up and that you're really trying. So my advice to you is just keep trying, right? Keep pushing yourself to speak the language because that's the way that you'll improve. But sort of just as a comment to sort of what you guys said. So, yes, I agree that certain areas of Puerto Rico you can live in without knowing much Spanish, especially where you all are now in Isla Verde because it is in a very touristic area. A lot of times people will, you know, if they see you in that area, they might even start speaking to you in English or even want to practice, you know, their English with you because even though Puerto Rico is a U.S. territory, English is taught in the schools, but people don't usually feel comfortable speaking it unless they are in you know, one of the more touristic areas working and, and are forced to use the language. But so they usually will understand from watching TV. But my experience has been uh, on the island with my friends from Puerto Rico that they just don't they don't use it as much in day to day life. And they're a little bit uh, sometimes self-conscious about their English. So that's why you run into those issues where they might understand you, but they're so afraid to respond. They might look for the person that like speaks English. Like I had one time I went to the mall But I went to just order some food, kind of like what you said about being hung up on with the pizza. I remember I just stood there and the person looked at me like, oh, my gosh, this is an American. And she was just like, she went to go get the manager immediately. It was like, I can't deal with this. Like, I need to find the person that speaks English here. So, I mean, that does that does happen. But I do think that, you know, if you want to move beyond sort of like the touristic areas, especially if you go somewhere like Aguadilla or Cabo Rojo, like deeper into the island or anywhere in the mountains, like you're not going to find people that they'll be readily, you know, willing to speak English with you. I, I, I agree with you. I do. I think that's where my broken Spanish comes into handy because I, if I can pick up a few words, then you can kind of put together kind of what they're saying. And I think they can do the same. So even though I can't put a sentence together, if I want to, you know, ask where something is, I know Donde is where. And if I want to say, you know, water, you know, so I, if I if I can say like words, then they're like, oh, but here's the thing. If they hear you speak a little bit of Spanish, they go full on. And then now I'm like, wait, 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 <laughs> wait, I'm not fluent, you know? Yeah, Puerto Ricans <laughs> don't speak slowly, so for you. I was taking Spanish classes for a while. Um, my Spanish instructor was from Colombia. And, you know, just totally different Spanish, totally different Spanish. I think it is important to talk to someone from the place because like you said, Colombia is like way different. Even Colombia in the Caribbean coast is way different from Colombia and like Medellin, like where a lot of people, like a lot of expats move. So if you're talking to someone that lives in Cartagena, you might not understand them versus someone in Medellin. So even within a country, it could be very different. So it's very important that you stick to the actual type of Spanish or the country. And Puerto Rico has a lot of like English words that are mixed in. Yeah. So like they'll say things like, here's an example. Uh, 
instead of like, you know, it's like baby wipes, right? We say in English. There's like a word for that in Spanish, but in Puerto Rico, they call them dabble wipes. Was like dabble wipes, like <laughs> dabble wipes. <laughs> so they have so many words that they, if you don't understand them, but they actually are coming from English words. And Mexico has that too, but it's a whole different set of words. So it's super important, especially Puerto Rico, because they have this influence from the U.S. that you learn like the way they speak because it's very different from other types of Spanish. Okay, so I do want to wrap up by asking a few questions I know people are wondering about because Puerto Rico, it has a, a sort of a hybrid category, right? It's not its own country. Right? It's, they don't have independence. And there's a whole debate about that, which I'm not going to get into. Uh, but Puerto Rico is still U.S. territory. You don't need a passport to go there. And there are some even tax benefits, I believe, to Americans um, moving there, especially if you have a business. So just talk a little bit about the cost of living, because you, you guys mentioned living in Texas. Some people, if you're living somewhere like New York or, you know, San Francisco, where the cost of living is much higher, you're kind of used to paying a lot for things like housing, for food, uh, especially things like that. So could you talk a little bit about what your monthly expenses are in Puerto Rico versus what they were when you were living in the U.S.? When I was living in the U.S. prior to us moving, deciding we were going to move, I was living in Maryland, about an hour south of D.C., and uh, we had a house, and I want to say my my housing expenses, you know, after you start getting, you know, water, electric, you know, mortgage, insurance, I mean, you're talking about four grand, five grand, and so I really, I just feel like sometimes we have this idea of a house. Whew. I just didn't, for me, I just realized what was important to me. And I just, those things weren't important anymore. So we downsized and the area we live in, some people consider this area an expensive area, right? So I'm going to just explain that because we're in, like you said, in a touristy area. And right now I'm in an apartment that we pay $1,100 a month for, right? Which to me is super cheap. But however, if I was not in this location, for the same apartment I'm in, in different parts of the island, you can get for three, four hundred dollars, five hundred dollars. And that's what everything included. I had a friend call me the other day. I'm helping them find an apartment and we found an apartment like 20 minutes from my island. Four hundred dollars, four hundred dollars. My friend, she just got an um, apartment in La Perla, which some people think, you know, La Perla has this negative connotation, but it's definitely changing. It's on the upswing. It's becoming trendy. And she found an apartment monthly for $175. So now you <laughs> wow. can see the difference, right? Spending $5,000 a month, or guess what? I'm going to spend $175 a month. Now think about what you could do with that extra. So it's just so different. And Puerto Rico has tons of tax incentives and things like that. And they are great, but that wasn't what brought us here um, to the island. We just love the people, the culture, the food. But the cost of living is phenomenal. And some places are priced out to be, you know, similar to the U.S. if you're doing touristy things. But you can get a, you can go eat, you can get a good plate of food. I mean, rice, beans, chicken, everything for like $3, $2, depending on where you're going. So yeah, you might get that same thing for $20 in a tourist area, but you can definitely, definitely survive here on a myriad of budgets. But you know, if you're coming from having your own home, car, yada, 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 you can easily survive here, I think, on $1,500 a month with with some. And for me saying that, I feel like that goes a long way because I'm a Gucci bag type of gal. So <laughs> I definitely... That's shit. 
<laughs> I don't down here. Every now and then I pull one out, but you don't need them out here. I'm more like a beach bag type of girl now. But you can really, your money can go so, 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 so far here. It's so worth it. Unless you're in a touristy neighborhood. If you're in Condado or Isla Verde or something, it, it's going to be expensive, you know. But even that expensive, you said $1,000 a month is expensive exactly, in right? Puerto Rico. It's <laughs> so it's relative. Thing. <laughs> it's relative, exactly. <laughs> are there things that are more expensive there? Because I know sometimes when you're, especially on an island, right, a lot of things have to be imported if they're not sort of native to the area. Are there things that are more expensive there that, that you wouldn't expect to be just because of the fact that things have to be imported at times? Sometimes when we're buying um, vegetables, you know, Puerto Rico, I don't know. They don't eat a lot of vegetables out here. <laughs> You're at the restaurant, they're going to give you some rice and beans and you might get a salad, but there's not a big, they don't do a lot of vegetables. So we, when we're like, you know, buying collard greens, which a lot of people, you know, they all sell a lot down here. They are a little bit pricey broccoli, spinach. And I don't know if that's because it's imported, but the Jones Act definitely has the cost of food and a lot of other things higher probably than it should be. So for people who don't know what the Jones Act is, can you give like a, a I know it's, it's, it's hard to explain in a short, short amount of time, but can you, can you explain what that's about and why that has an impact on what things cost in Puerto Rico? Okay, I don't know if I'm going to explain it exactly correct, but it's basically a law that requires good ship between U.S. ports to be transported on ships that are built or operated or something like that by the U.S. or by, like, citizens or something. And, I, you know, I actually just learned about this recently because I was like, well, what does that mean? What that means is <laughs> if it's not made in the U.S., then they're basically charging it extra to come in, if that makes sense. So, whereas in the U.S., uh, and when I say U.S., I don't mean Puerto Rico. I mean, like, mainland, you know, the mainland. Right? mainland. I'm going to call it the States, right? If something's being shipped in from China, you may get a great price on it, right? But if it's coming into Puerto Rico, it it has to go into the, the States first. And then if it's coming here, they, they add, like, these extra fees and something like that. And so I hope I'm explaining it kind of right. Like I said, I just learned about the Jones Act recently and I was just like, wow, I was just amazed. So there are some things that are expensive because of the Jones Act. And I found out, I guess, you know, there's definitely the benefits of it. And then there's the downside of it. And that's, that's kind of like with everything here in Puerto Rico, you know, it's like, oh, that's great. But Oh, that's not good, but that's great. You know, so it's just, I guess it just depends on the aspect of what you're looking at it from. Yeah. And I know that that actually comes a lot into play, the conversations about statehood for Puerto Rico, as well as even independence. I know there's, there've been a lot of discussions about that, a lot of controversy, like I said, about that over the years. And the Jones Act is a big part of that just because of Puerto Rico's status as being a territory. It's like, they're not fully independent, they're citizens, but there are some things that uh, they can and, can and can't do because of that. So, exactly. so yeah, I know that's a whole, a whole uh, complicado uh, bag of worms <laughs> that I won't get into. But I do hope that people will look into that more, um, so that you kind of understand not just sort of you know as, as someone looking to move there and thinking, oh, I'll get all these benefits. It'll be cheaper for me. I won't have to pay as many taxes and things like that. So really, just think about the impact that has on the people and be informed about uh, the people that actually live there and what they have to go through because it's always different when you're coming as sort of a quote-unquote expat to an area where people have to live with these realities each and every 
every day. So I want to thank you, Troy and Tanae, for taking the time to join me on the podcast to share your experience moving and living in Puerto Rico. If folks want to get in touch with you on social media, find out more about what you do uh, in your travel company, where can they find you? They can find us on Instagram. Um, we are at TNT Travel Team and I'm also at Just underscore being underscore nay and then Troy is- I'm on IG uh, at that dude gone again one um, D-A-T-D-U-D-E gone again one and um, Facebook just Troy Porter and like I say TNT travel team uh, and you can just you know keep in touch with us and what we're doing because we're always having fun with travel and uh, learning the culture drinks food etc yeah, and we're also on Facebook, the same thing as TNT Travel Team, and then our name's Tanae Davis-Porter and Troy Porter. And if you want to see us doing just whatever in Puerto Rico, we are on Instagram as the Puerto Ricans, um, the underscore Porter underscore Ricans, and that's just more focused on like our Puerto Rican stuff. We do have a YouTube page, but it's not up and going yet, but that's also uh, Troy and Tanae, and you should see it, something happening with it this week, and we're super excited, and thank you, thank you. Hey, great. Gracias. 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 I hope you enjoyed our conversation. And if you plan to visit Puerto Rico or you're thinking about it, make sure you reach out to Troy and Tanae on Instagram. And I'm sure they'd be more than happy to give you whatever information you need about where is the best place to visit, uh, if you're looking for an apartment or a place to stay. Now, as promised, I wanted to give you some more information about how you could get your very own copy of our Puerto Rican Spanish 101 bilingual phrase book. And if you go to our show notes page, learnspanishconsalsa.com slash 124, that's learnspanishconsalsa.com slash 124, you'll have a special link there where you can get your very own copy, either the hard copy, the paperback, or the ebook of our Puerto Rican Spanish guide. And I have to tell you, this is a resource you will not find anywhere else. There are over a hundred different words and phrases that are unique just to the island of Puerto Rico. And if you plan on visiting Puerto Rico, this is a book you definitely need to have in your travel bag. And when you get the book, there is a special discount code that you will receive if you're interested in taking things a step further and getting our conversational Puerto Rican Spanish course. You'll learn Spanish as it's spoken on the island of Puerto Rico through dialogues with native speakers. You'll also learn new vocabulary and phrases with each and every conversation. So make sure you check out the show notes page if you want to get the book. And then if you decide that you want to upgrade and also get the course, you'll get a special discount when you sign up using that link. So learn Spanish con salsa.com slash one, two, four. As always, I hope that something you've heard today has helped you go one step closer from Spanish beginner to bilingual. Hasta la próxima. Thank you for listening to the Learn Spanish con Salsa podcast at LearnSpanishConSalsa.com. 